Hi, hey, hello, g'day, and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. This week, we discuss getting back to winning ways against Sydney on Saturday. We touch on what the hell actually happened in Melbourne and where do we go from here. Of course, we catch up with Mariners flyer, Sash Kazevsky. And as always, we answer your questions. I'm Pete and I'm joined by Luke and Morrow. Hello, fellas. Hello. Hello. Good evening. I was on mute, but now I'm not. <laughs> that was just the, joy, the joys like, of a virtual podcast. Not like us to have any sort of tech issues on a podcast. I don't know what you're no, talking we, about. We've never had a tech issue. Then what are we talking about? Not even <laughs> once. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right away from that and diving right in to things as we always do with Fred's question. Fred this week asks, with Marco Tulio getting more game time and showing what he brings to the team, do we start thinking about possibly building a squad around him? Also, do we continue to start Qual or conti- uh, keep bringing him off the bench? Mm. I'm liking Tulio. The more and more he plays, uh, the better and better he looks. Got off the mark. On the weekend, obviously, deservedly. Um, but even outside of the goal, I thought he was good. Gets in some good spots. Um, I think he's shown he's got a pretty silky touch. The yeah, I think it's it's really all come down to sort of uh, game time for him. And the more he plays, the better. Um, I don't know about building a squad around him. Might be a bit early for that, but definitely looking like um, you know sort of another another dangerous outlet when Kowal goes, um, which, I mean, in all reality, in, is in, what, probably two games. So I guess the Three, conversation yeah. around whether, yeah, the conversation around whether he starts or off the bench is probably almost irrelevant at this point. Yeah, I'm happy to see as much of, um, I'll answer the second bit first, I guess, um, see as much of Kowal as possible now, because I think he proved that even in a starting situation, while he maybe can't get through 90 minutes, then he was definitely... Um, a really uh, exciting prospect to watch uh, for that 60 minutes. And I think he can do 60 minutes by the looks of that. Um, You know, whether he'll get through more than 60 minutes, I don't know, but I don't see why he shouldn't try 60 minutes again. That makes perfect sense to me. Um, As for Tulio, mate, how cool is Tulio? Um, (laughs) Speaking of my fantasy team. And, uh, yeah, I've um, been thinking to myself that he has – started out with a really cool looking free kick in training that looked impressive and then has uh, gone on and he's been hitting the post for fun. Um, Should have scored a volley maybe against uh, Western Sydney, hit the post in this game again before he finally did get the goal that he has richly deserved for ages. And he's, uh, yeah, like you said, Luke, I don't know whether or not he building a team around any player is a thing, but I do think that um, the likes of him and Maresh show great promise to be the kind of players who are going to split defences for us because he's proving he can and Maresh already did. So, yeah, hopefully that answers the question. Just on that um, on that qual 60-minute thing, uh, he was actually going to be playing quite a lot longer than that on the weekend. The original change that was being made was uh, Jason Cummings off um for uh for i think it was was it michael roos that came on um in any case um and uh, of course the ground announcer announced it as such after the board had already gone up um and then uh they decided to change it 
So, um, yeah, that's two errors in two weeks from the ground. It's absolutely horrific. And um, as a result, it should be sacked, uh, to be honest. Should, uh, no. It upset me. Now that probably, I found out about probably it, probably pay, I think, at least. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's not my fault. The board had gone up. Mm. <laughs> I waited for the board to go up this time. Um, Look, so let's, the board, <laughs> let's just focus on whispering the Jets. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'll see how quickly okay. I can do it tomorrow, as we said in uh, in last week's episode. Yeah. Off. <laughs> off. Some other muffin on. <laughs> um, but yeah, as as both of you just said, yeah, I think it's way too early to even discuss or even contemplate discussing building a team around Tulio. I think that he's proven to possibly be the best visa player we've signed um, this season. Um, and have we actually found a Marco replacement there? You know, I think um, in his yeah. role as sort of second striker or, or 10, um, on the weekend, he was delicious. I think that's a good shout to a Marco replacement. Yeah. Um, in a variety of ways. He's got that silky skill style. And yeah, I saw him bring one, uh, was it last game against the Jets when uh, Crossfield Ball came to him and he just brought it into his stride with mm. the outside of his boot. And it was like, oh, more of that, please. And then mm. he starts hitting posts. Yep. Loving it. Absolutely it's, incredible it's, touch. Yeah. And it's important to remember too, you know, which we'll probably get into a little bit later, but all the visa spots are essentially vying for their positions at the moment because one has to go very, very soon. So it's, it's within their best interests to be, uh, to be performing well. Mm, mm, yeah. I mean, I think we're pretty safe with Tulio. So yeah, no, um, bring on more Tulio. More Tulio is Coolio. But still some, still some Maresh. Yeah. Can't wait for Maresh. Yeah. The Brazilian, yeah. the the Samba connection. Bring it on. Mariner's, sh- Mariner's put up a video of him ripping someone to pieces. I can't even think who it was right off the top of my head right now, but the other day, and it was like, yeah, that that is why we want Maresh to come back. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's an in- it's going to be a pretty interesting combination. He's buzzing to come back too as well. I caught up with him very briefly pre- um, uh, pre-game at the weekend, and he's, he's absolutely chomping at the bit, so cannot wait to see them both out there. You're listening to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Fellas, let's cast our minds back to a glorious Saturday afternoon at Industry Group Stadium, of course. Our paradise as uh, we got back to winning ways, as we said at the start of the show. Your Central Coast Mariners 2, Sydney FC 1. Things you love to hear, say and see. I was not expecting this one. I'm not going to lie. Especially after they smashed the crossbar and Retre <laughs> scored. <laughs> then it was looking less likely. Um, but we have just been looking like a team that can overcome these things if we get the combination kind of right. Mm-hmm. No? Well, what we have to do is we have to go down first and then we start to play for most for the most part. That seems to be... That seems to be the case. Uh, our curse at the moment. But I'm, yeah. I, I don't exactly like it. But if, if we can if we can play how we play when we're losing, for the most part, I'll be happy with that. Because, um, yeah, uh, it was it was, I mean it, it was a, it was a rough start, in a sense. You know, Bratton hit he uh, hits the crossbar early, then like forty seconds later we hit the bar. So, like I mean, it, it easily could have been one one within the first. Uh, eight or so minutes, but um, yeah, the goal they scored 
year again was was a bit of a frustrating one for me at least <laughs> um and you know I, I i i don't know if if you know i'm being i'm being too harsh on him or my frustration over a few games has started to grow and and i'd maybe put this one on him a bit uh, too much but i still think Vukovic has to do better with that Look, I've I've been a pretty staunch defender of of Vuka since he uh, since he came back, and um, you know, I I've got to agree. Yeah, it's it's a fairly routine-ish sort of save. You know, it's down is down quickly to his left. Yes, um, but you either catch that or you push it away from danger. Um, and he's, he's yeah. sort of parried it out in front of him and. Um, Retro's on here. Imagine letting Retro score against you. Oh, yeah, that's, that's almost the worst bit about it. Mm. I would he, have considered a goal to just about anybody else except for him. Yeah, you're, you're right, Pete. Though he has to make the catch there. I think just you know watching the replays for me, it's not. It's he makes a catch on a harder one later, mm. and um, that looks normal. And actually, he makes a really good low down save uh, to his right later in the game as well. Um, so, you know, the pieces are there, but you're right in that moment, then, um, he had to do better. It either had to go, um, wide or it had to go, um, in his hands. So agree. Um, but not still haven't given up hope that we're getting there by seeing some of the other things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, all hope is lost with him for sure. I think Monty's, Monty's, um, showing some good patience, um, you know, and, and the reality is, you know, I, I think I said last week, I would like to see Sosa have a go um, after the few mistakes that we've seen him made. But the reality is we probably haven't seen enough of him to, to make, make a call on what he can and can't do. So, you know, so who knows, maybe he's not really performing in training. Maybe, maybe Monty still hasn't really seen enough. I have no idea, but um at, at this stage, it looks like Fuka's not going anywhere for their team, and that's that's for Monty uh, Monty to make the call, and then ultimately to fall on the sword um, if he keeps making what I think to be mistakes. But um, fortunately, didn't uh, cost us this week. I think yeah. there's possibly a question there if um, if Booker is if this was Fuka's last year, which is possible. Um, then we probably need to have some sort of plan for a changeover. So getting some minutes at least seems not illogical. Um, but, yeah, that would just be speculating, wouldn't it? Yeah, look, I mean, for, for me and, you know, I've already put the caveat on it that I have been one of Vuka's staunchest allies and defenders uh, since, he, since he came back. He's still number one for me, uh, far and away, and and you know take nothing nothing away from Yaren. Um, is he quite up to it just yet? Oh, I don't know, but you know Vuk has still made another three or four very good saves um, in this game that um, you know perhaps another keeper doesn't make. So um, full credit to him for being able to bounce back and, and put that early sort of mistake behind him. As I said, it was, you know, what seemed like a very catchable um, height and a decent height for the keeper. Um, had a minute or two to see it. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's a mistake. It's a goalkeeping mistake, yes. Um, but he's, he's made up for, for me later in the game. And I think that's, uh, that's where the experience 
starts to come in with him. Whereas maybe a younger goalkeeper, he makes that mistake and he keeps on making mistakes. But we obviously having having been around as long as he has, uh, he's he's got that mental sort of strength, I guess. To you know, if he if he makes a mistake, he knows how to bounce back. And you know, I'll give him full credit. He obviously did make a, uh, a, f- a few good um, stops and some smarter decisions towards the end of the game. So I think he was he was better, more in command of his sort of area than he was than than, than we've perhaps seen previously in this one as well. Um, felt a lot more comfortable when you know some of those crosses were coming in as well that he was coming out to claim and um, you know obviously he hasn't had a lot of game time over the last 12 to 18 months um, hampered with injury and then sitting on the bench over in the Netherlands. Um, and perhaps that's w- what we'd seen earlier in the season. I think perhaps we're seeing, um, you know, maybe the rise of Vuka again. Would you say the that he's building? Would you say that he's sort of, you know, building away there, maybe a little bit like um, uh, Coolio? I mean, Tulio. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say that a 37 year old is building, even if they are a goalkeeper, because at the building end of the day, at 37, oh, but he hadn't, but he hadn't <laughs> but, been playing. So, yeah, you exactly, know, he's exactly. on the pitch and that sharpness surely doesn't take one second to just get there. So, mm. you know, you're right that, that it did, did seem like more mistakes and less of those positive moments in this game than other than that, which I thought was a bit of a mistake. Maybe then there are some other really positive moments that made me feel like he was gaining confidence. Absolutely. Speaking of gaining confidence, oh, someone I'm gaining a lot of confidence in at the moment, Marco Twilio, of course, hit the post uh, early in the first half with uh, oh, what a delightful ball to pick him out from Benny as well um, for that little flick onto the post. But uh, then made no mistake with the header. Excellent ball in, absolutely sumptuous from Garen Kowal to pick him out. Steals him bet- between the two uh, centre-backs there and, um, as we said, made absolutely no mistake. This is this is the sort of stuff I like to see with the second goal. You know, quickly taken free kick, players on alert, runs into the box. And, I mean, if he didn't score it, probably Benny would have scored it because he was right behind him. Hmm. So uh, this that's, that's the sort of stuff I like to see, um, you know, sort of, take advantage of those moments when they're there utilize a set piece in a smart way which um given the frustrations of the newcastle game <laughs> last week or last time with our uh, set pieces in our corners and how average they were it was nice to see us uh, actually use one smartly and be able to pull it off use a couple of them smartly as well because it was only minutes later where air hall dan hall rising highest at the back post uh Absolute bullet head off from all of about half a yard. <laughs> a defender's goal, right? <laughs> but look at the height on the man. Like he's a good, he's, you know, he's two foot six off the ground. Oh, it's incredible, um, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that photo, it's a very cool photo. And he is, yes, not, the others are not close, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Andrew Redmayne for the initial flappy bird. Um, he went full he's got to punch that, uh, surely. Uh, he's got to do something else. Well, he can punch it, but. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was a very Wiggles moment. Yeah. And uh, I, I will say, uh, is this is this a OFC um, goal? Caltech yes. with the assist, with the assist, and then Hall with the goal. That the OFC dream team, Pete. And uh, I won't hear otherwise. <laughs> okay. Cool. 
play on. I can't take it away from either of them. Yeah, no, it's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And um, I mean, the goal announcement from the uh, from the ground announcer as well was one of the longest we've heard in the A League at least nine and a half seconds. Uh, was, Very passionate was the yeah. goal held for. So um, I heard it all the way from the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Not absolutely sure that the assist gets all that many style points because it was seemingly very hopeful, but great finish. A defender's assist and a very much a defender's goal. Hey, hook it back in there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and look, we weren't without our other chances either in the second half. Um, we played with so much more attacking intent, so much more verticality, showing willingness to run at them, turn them around um, and, and getting in behind there than we saw in the Newcastle game. Do we think conditions maybe played a part? Yeah, I think I think conditions and also game plans because we, I think we, you know, because we managed to get in front, it forced uh, Sydney to try and come out and play, which then opened up a lot of the space in behind and on the wings and let us utilise that. Whereas in that Newcastle game, we let it slip, so to speak, as um, a famous person once said. Um, uh, and... Newcastle, you know, they essentially sat on their lead and, you know, they defended in a block and, you know, we couldn't get through. So they didn't have to, uh, they didn't have to really go after the game, whereas, yeah, Sydney did. So that allowed us to definitely, uh, even though we're up, which is, you know, some people think it's, you know, a risk where we, we could have easily, um, you know, sort of stayed back and, you know, defended in a block, but we we were still sort of uh, pushing, you know, for an extra goal or two, um, even though we we're up. And that's what that's what I want to see from my football team when we're playing at home. So I don't have any issues any issues with that, but definitely much much improved from what we saw in the Newcastle game. So yeah, a combination of I think of where the game was at and the game plans of uh, of the teams that we were we were against. Conditions might have made it harder for Sydney. I, I thought conditions actually were pretty poor in this last game. The quality it was windy pitch. on the bridge. I can tell you that much. <laughs> it was windy. It was windy, but it wasn't only windy. The pitch was not great. Uh, there were uh, there must be a ch- grass changeover going on there. I think because there was some treatment there recently, and I think that there was some you know patchiness to the pitch. I was on it briefly before the game, and it wasn't brilliant. Um, and so it wasn't a game where you weren't going to get a few bubbles and things. So, so once it was a game for having, you know, goals in the, in the net, basically. So hard one. I thought, I, th- I thought we were towards the end of the game. We were, um, less organized, perhaps maybe just the number of subs and the way we went about subs, but I never felt like we were at risk of Sydney really coming back at us. Anyone? No, no I was, I was reasonably comfortable, reasonably. Yeah. Until the referee decided, you know, that uh, he was Daddy Townsend in disguise and wanted uh, to fully support Sydney any way he could. Um, Those last last, uh, lasted a couple of minutes were a little bit nervy, uh, but not not of our own doing, uh, I don't think. But in saying that, I think we defended it well and we we did what we had to in the last couple of minutes, um, which was good. Game management, baby. Yep. We're getting better at it anyway, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Uh, fellas, I'll get your three, two, ones, please. Oof. Ooh, this is tough. Um, I'll give my three to Tulio. Uh, 
I will give my two to Caltech. Apologies, Pete. Um, and that's a tough one. I, I, I'll give my one to Sash just because I thought he was uh, good when he come on and obviously very happy to uh, see him get his debut. Three for Tulio. Two for Dan Hall for that leap, mate. That's one for Garang. Sounds boring, but nothing about Garang is boring. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to be boring and uh, I think, Pretty well agree with uh, with both of you guys for the three and, and perhaps you entirely there, Moz. Um, Tulio for three for me. Um, Dan Hall gets my two. And um, I want to give half a point to, to Sash and Garang, but I can't do that, can I? Um, so I'll have to... You're recording my... these points. So... I, I am, yeah. But uh, no, the... the, the... In the in the interest of, of fairness uh, and and integrity of the no. three two one, um, the very prestigious no three two one system, uh, yeah, the one <laughs> will go to Garang Qual. I know it's not in the rules, but can we give a uh, a honourable mention to Harry Steele for shirt fronting Ryan Grant? Two thousand percent, yes. <laughs> 3,000, 3,000. I won't hear less. Uh, unreal. Thank you very much. And, and we also like this, you know, actually that's that's something I didn't say just now is, um, uh, Tulio, we're talking about these tricks and touches and all this free kicks stuff. Um, fantastic. But how about the sort of, I don't know, is it inappropriate to say mongrel? Because he has um, really put the uh, hard yards in at times. And that is what we love about Brazilians who come to the Mariners. you got to put in the hard yards. Mm. That and uh, love how the team, as, um, uh, uh, as Sash was saying, coming in there and making sure that we're looking after our own. That's who yep. we are. Hundred percent, and watching watching the replay as I might have done a couple of times now as well, you just see that big smile on Steely's face as soon as he shirt fronts Grant. It's just he knew what he was doing. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, to be fair, if referee Jack Morgan doesn't lose control of the game like he did absolutely well and truly, he cooked it so hard that was a blatant foul on Kozewski. Um, and then Silvera with the get square, um, Grant comes running in shoulder. Just Steely and Steely's not having a bar of it. So yeah, good on him. And then everyone rushing it. forward. It's it's beautiful. And yeah. um I think we had about six uh six players arrive in one hit, uh, <laughs> which is great. Even Caltech threw himself in there so and hard, Danny man. and yeah. Danny making the run up, which a lot of people, you know, they I've I've seen a bit of a commentary around, you know, oh if a goalkeeper runs, you know, sort of fifty meters he should be carted or whatever. Whatever. Wait. <laughs> it's part of the fun. A- there's a frightening moment where the ref gets out his um, cards to give the yellow cards there and he's not, the back of his notebook is red and everyone like me is thinking this is not as much fun anymore. I thought there was something going wrong that, yeah, I thought we were in well, a bit of trouble. The only close red I thought would be in there was it looked like Donicky had his hands around Harry Steele's throat at one point. Mm, yeah, That's the only yeah. thing that – or no, sorry, Wood. It was Wood. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was. He because was. Right there. I can't. Yeah. I can't remember who the Sydney player was, but um, they really dragged away Wood, mm. and they were making sure that Wood wasn't going anywhere, going to go anywhere near it again. Because I think they probably saw the same thing that a few people did and thought, well, he might be in a little bit of strife there. But given the referees' love for Sydney, no <laughs> winner. 
<laughs> what's the what's with the uh you know almost a red card seemingly going to come out and it's scary happening at central coast stadium didn't steven, <laughs> steven lucas <laughs> it's not unprecedented we've done this before with steven lucas when the red card came out and went back in the pocket <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, just to your point too, Luke, it's lucky that Booker didn't get carded for running in because he was already on a yellow from two minutes earlier. Oh, yeah. You're listening to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. Look at this. Look at this. Look at it. 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 Of course, joining us this afternoon on the Coast Football Ramble Podcast, it is the man himself, the latest Mariners Academy graduate, latest Mariners debutante, Sasha Kozewski. Sash, how are you, my friend? Uh, fabulous, boys. Fabulous. Thank you for uh, for having me on today. Hey, absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're a very busy guy, very much in demand at the moment. Uh, the latest one, destined for fame and fortune, uh, of course. Let's kick things off, as we always do, with a couple of quick fire questions. Firstly, your sauce, your tomato sauce, barbecue, mustard, etc. Do you keep that in the fridge or in the cupboard? Oh, okay. So I'm a barbecue sauce guy over tomato. And um, I'm going to say when I buy it, it stays on the shelf. When I open it, it goes in the fridge. I'll accept it. I'll accept it. I was thinking, I'm impressed. I'm going to go for a bit of both. Yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been thinking about this more and more lately because I've always been a really staunch cupboard guy, but I've sort of started leaning towards this method. But I'm still, I'm still more of a cupboard guy, to be honest, I think. Yeah. Have you heard this question yeah. before, Sash? I have. I was, he's been planning it. <laughs> oh, I wonder if he scrunches or folds yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> I'll, I'll be <laughs> I've been warned, I have been warned about this one from the boys, so I was well prepared for that one. I just, I just to choose both. Yeah, man, sit on the fence. Fair enough. Play yeah, on, play I on. Like, I like it. It's impressive. Yeah, very good. Look, well, I'm sure you're probably well prepared for this one. It's a pretty topical one at the moment, of course, but uh, in your humble opinion, who is better? Is it Lionel Messi or Matt Simon? Easy decision, mate. It's got to be Simo. If anyone says anyone else, it's wrong. That's the right answer. <laughs> I think the only player who said Lionel Messi was uh, was Danny De Silva, and look how well things are going for him. So, um, yeah, very <laughs> Messi was better yesterday, but not today or the day before. Uh, yes, indeed. Now, we That's will, classic. of course, talk about football very, very soon, but we want to get this one in very early. I see you quite frequently around one of my favourite haunts, of course, Caffich Cafe in West Gosford. Tell us a bit about the cafe and why is it the best coffee on the coast? Oh, well, um, yeah, so obviously uh, parents own, own the beautiful cafe of Kafich in West Gosford. Um, it sort of started out, uh, as all things do, I guess, with, with an idea. So my dad was actually the one behind it, driving everything. Um, he's always wanted to own his own business. My mum had her own hair salon when she was she was younger. And, yeah, dad's always had his ambition to, to own his own business. And one thing sort of led to another and, you know, the family ideas sort of came together and, and we decided to be a bit different and, and uh, customise our own shipping container. So it's actually built out of a recyclable shipping container and, and, and we designed it all ourselves. So, yeah, we've been there three years now. It's absolutely brilliant. Good spot as well, just near Anaconda there as well. So if you're looking for a good coffee, shameless plug for one of my favourite cafes uh, on the coast. Now, of course, diving into the football. Um, now that you have had a few days to sort of reflect on it, um, I know, you know, I caught up with your parents after the game. They were very emotional, as, as I'm sure you were as well. But um, how are you feeling about your debut on the weekend? Yeah, feeling really good. Yeah, the, um, the support and, and the messages and the love has been... Uh, pretty overwhelming to be honest i didn't expect uh 
so many people to to get around and, and, and send such nice messages. But yeah, not not ashamed to admit that it was it was a bit of a, an emotional time after after the full time whistle when I went and saw my my family and my loved ones. So yeah, mum and dad have done so much for me and and sacrificed so so much. So yeah, that was um that was a special moment for for me and my family. We saw the uh, we saw the celebration on the uh, TV cameras, didn't we? That's, yeah, uh, yeah. Full yeah, time there. They're all down on the knees. That's what I like to see. When that the was so good, mate. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, um, I think uh, I think passion just took over there. That that's good. That's all right. So we 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 actually saw you come on a little bit higher up than what we're used to. So obviously in the academy you've been mostly used as a right back, and that's what sort of I would or what we would sort of describe you as. Um, what do you prefer? Did you enjoy playing higher up? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm willing to, to play wherever, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm not too, too fast or, or don't really have a, you know, a position that I'd prefer to play. I'm just willing to do whatever, whatever's needed for, for the team and, and whatever job Monty gives me. So yeah, I, I enjoy playing on the wing. I enjoy playing fullback as well. And, and um, I played both throughout my, you know, junior careers and, and through the academy. So yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable playing both. Was there a particular assignment from Monty in the game? Um, as in instructions before I went yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. Like you were playing, not out of position, but in a not the position we're necessarily familiar with. So it seemed like you had a, an assignment going on there to finish the game. Yeah, for us. Yeah, obviously when I went. Yeah, so when I went out, obviously we we were in the lead. You know, two one up, and and um, yeah, the instructions were were to pretty much see the game out and and um, you know, take fouls when I could and and um, really see out see out that 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 clock and and um yeah did 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 the job i guess speaking of taking fouls when you could um i was about to say speaking of, of fouls a bit of a flashpoint at the end there that uh <laughs> caused some absolute mayhem things you'll love to see uh james donny absolutely going through the back here there what were your thoughts as he went through the back here and was it a foul oh in my humble opinion i have to say it's definitely a foul um <laughs> there's no chance i'm going down there unless you know, unless unless I feel 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 the contact, so yeah, it, it's clearly a foul. I think everyone sort of agreed on that, but yeah, I don't know. The referee maybe had something out for me and didn't give me the foul. But the thing I love to see was all the boys, you know, backing me up after that. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah, hundred percent. Foul, in my opinion. Yeah, we saw Steely straight in there, Hawley straight in there, Vooker came up, everyone was in. Is that a real sort of? Yeah sort of show of, I guess, the real sort of unity and togetherness of the squad at the moment? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, we, we're so close, um, all of us boys in, in that dressing room and, you know, even outside of football as well, we're always hanging out and, and, and going for lunches and coffees and, and you know, hanging out, playing golf, whatever we whatever we do in our spare time. But, yeah, we're, it, it's an absolute brotherhood there that we have in our change room and, and that right there just sums it up, I guess, everyone – uh, backing me in that moment and and that's yeah that that's exactly what it's about we're we're all super close and it's such a good bunch of boys we're just yeah it's a pleasure to be part of it and so many of them have sort of come through the academy with yourself as well you know players like maxi ballard um you know dan hall as well um who was you know in the in the 2020 grand final squad um so many so many names to name there um has that made the transition, you know, moving up from the academy uh, into the first team a little bit, a uh, little bit easier for yourself? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely helps seeing seeing the familiar faces um, around me and 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 people that have, uh, 
done the same journey as, as, as what I'm on now. So yeah, that definitely helps. Of course, Monty and Serge as well were, were coaches of the academy um, and, and my coaches when, when they were there. So yeah, having them, you know, now in charge of the first team is it, it was quite a, quite a smooth transition. I think um, the boys helped a lot with that. So we know, we know you're another local boy done good, uh, but give us a bit of background into maybe some of those, those, uh, sort of younger days, sort of your first local team, getting into the academy. You obviously spent some sort of a little bit of time down in Sydney as well, but then sort of making the move back, um, earning the scholarship and then sort of everything that led up to the weekend. Yeah, so um, earliest memories of football started as soon as I could walk, really. Um, started finding anything around the house that I could that I could kick. Um, first ever uh, – well, I, I actually started playing – uh, locally for Terrigal United. I was eight when I first started. Um, then signed for the Mariners Academy when I was uh, 12 years of age, playing in the under-13s. Um, and then, yeah, as you mentioned, I spent a bit of time in Sydney. I spent two seasons away from the academy, played in uh, in MPO one for RPO Leichhardt, and then the following year, uh, Marconi Stallions. And then I came back to the academy uh, at age 16 and, yeah, been here ever since then. And, you know, you're, you're obviously still, you know, sort of young, obviously much younger than us, um, us other uh, three idiots. But much younger is there a point me. where – Much younger than you, Moz, yeah. Much younger than my where, children. <laughs> <laughs> is there a point where, you know, obviously now, now you've been back in the academy for, say, you know, sort of uh, four or five years where maybe you start to sort of think maybe halfway through last season or – or whatever, where it's like, you know, maybe I won't get my opportunity or was, was it, was it always there that, you know, instead of coming and you had the, you know, the instructions there from Monty or from Serge to say, look, work on X, Y, Z, and then you'll get your chance. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone has sort of their, their, their thoughts and, you know, there were times where I thought that perhaps I wouldn't ever get the opportunity, but um, I always believed in myself deep down and, and people in the club, uh, believed in me too. My my parents and my family, of course, all my friends, they were always pushing me. And not that I needed it because I had the self drive myself, um, you know, to to always, you know, get that debut, especially. But yeah, Monty and Serge are great, man. They they always, you know, they're always there for me, and and they believed in me too. And and they always told me that, um, you know, I, I would never be in this position if they didn't believe in me. Um, so yeah, I think it was just about the right time and, and when they thought I was ready um, to make that step and, and my first first minutes on the pitch. So, yeah, never stop believing, man. And now that you have got those first minutes on the pitch, where to from here for you? What what are your goals for the rest of the season and, and beyond? Yeah, short-term goals um, is, is to stay in the team as long as possible now, get as many minutes as I can uh, for the rest of this season and, and hopefully uh, – pen a new deal on the coast. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's definitely my ambition to, to go overseas and, and to play abroad in, in Europe, hopefully one day. But for now, I'm um, just focusing on, on this season and, and game by game, week by week, and, you know, just trying to work hard, train hard and, and remain in the squad for, for as long as possible. Beautiful. Beautiful. You may be aware, um, Every week uh, or every episode on the Coast Football Ramble podcast, we do get a few questions coming through on the socials from some of our listeners. Um, this week, we've had uh, a handful of them come through. One from longtime listener of the show, Maxi Ballard. Uh, he wants to know who's got the best pig Latin in the team. 
Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Shout out Maxi Ballard. <laughs> um, great question, Maxi. I'd say um, he's going to want me to put him up there, but I'm actually not going to. Um, <laughs> I'd like to chuck myself up there. Um, <laughs> Jacob Farrell is is uh, is getting quite good as well, and and Dan Hall is catching on quite quickly too. So, yeah, that's a funny one because um, yeah, we there was a few of us that started speaking it and. And now the boys are starting to pick it up. So we need to be careful what we say. Sometimes yeah, right. we're trying to take the, mic, take the mickey out of some of the boys in Pig Latin. But yeah, yeah, they're catching on, to be fair. Maxie's Maxi's learning pretty quickly. Nizzy's uh, below par, but slowly <laughs> one step forward, two step backwards, in my opinion. <laughs> I think, yeah, no, I think I'll, if you're... I'll, if, I'll put Maxie in the top five. If you're going to put yourself up there, we're going to need an example. Ah, uh, okay. Well, uh, what, what the proof is in the pudding. Uh, let's say you're listening to the Coast Football Ramble podcast. It's got to work it out. Who are a listening lay ute are they? OSK Ubulfei Oddcast Bay. Eshe. That's good. That's good. That's, I think, that's I think the official that... new snippet in between uh, segments. 100%. Now. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to be using I think that. That's, yeah. uh, I think that's similar to when I asked um, Benny uh, uh, what my French was like or around the Cumdingo what my Scottish was like. So, yeah, I'm impressed with that. Yeah, what, Pig Latin, mm, one of my favourites now. Thank you, Sage. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Um, Robbie Chafranek, of course, shout out to Robbie. Robbie wants to know, what's the worst coffee order that you've ever had to make at the cafe? Oh, good question. Yeah, good question. Um, I've had a few interesting coffees that I've had to make before. Um, I'd say the most interesting one, and it's actually a, a bit of a funny story because I used to have a regular um, that, that came in and um, lovely guy, lovely guy. He used to order our largest size that we could and he just got a standard cappuccino. It comes with two shots and he gets full cream milk. The twist was caramel syrup and six sugars. I'm not even kidding. Six sugars and caramel six. syrup. Jeez. Six. Yeah. <laughs> That's thick. So I sort of, uh, I never really told him this in, in, until we got right down, down the end, but each time he'd come up and order, I, I put less and less sugar in. Um, I never told him that. Anyway, I got to about, I got to three sugars and I decided to tell him, I said, oh, you know, have you noticed anything a bit different about your coffee at all? And he goes, no, no, you know, it's good as always. It's really nice, blah, 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 blah. And I said, oh, okay, that's interesting because I'm putting less sugar in. He said, oh, okay, great, great. Anyway, long story short, I ended up actually getting him all the way down to zero caramel and zero sugars. So now he just drinks a standard large standard cup. Standard cup. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, well yeah. played. Doing the Lord's work. That's it. That's it. Yeah, geez. I think a, my part. a change had to be made there. Six sugars and caramel syrup. That's um, that's out of hand. Um, follow on to that. It was who, who's got the worst coffee order in the team? Um, In the team? Well, yeah, every time we train at the stadium, I think everyone tries to take advantage of Kafich uh, and, and sort of shoots me a text. I run in with fourteen coffees, but um, uh, I don't know. There's a few. Fazes changes his order every morning. Sometimes <laughs> gets a cappuccino, a dirty chai, and something else. I don't know. He changes it up. Uh, I don't know. To be fair, none of the boys drink anything too out there. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
<laughs> Diplomatic as always. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Noah Smith wants to know, is it true that you were the worst pro clubs player when we played during COVID? No chance. No chance. Absolutely no chance. No, I think uh, Smithers just, just can't handle me. Um, I've made a <laughs> few interesting pro clubs builds. Made a made a simo build up top, you know. Um, I've made a few, but yeah, I, I've got to say he he's got to be down there somewhere. He's he's got to be bottom three for sure. Yeah, I think um, uh, the amount that he's been talking about it because uh, he calls a lot of yeah. people out about uh, about pro clubs, um, and we haven't yeah. seen him play yet. So you know, he might be this, projecting. Please respond. Yeah, <laughs> mm. we do love him though. He's one of our faves. Yeah, we do. We Maybe do. He's a good line. <laughs> uh, and uh, Dylan Scarborough, one of the uh, fans of the show there, he wants to know if you think that he should get Kazevsky number 27 on the back of his jersey this season. Why not? Why not? I think he should. I think he should. The more support, the better. Was that your, uh, was that your chosen number or did you get it given to you? That was my, ch- no, that was my chosen number. Yeah. 27 was my chosen number. What's, what's behind the number? Um, well, uh, 27th is uh, the date of my birthday, so I'm born on March 27th. So that was one of the reasons. Um, the other reason was um, to try and uh, play better than Lewis Miller did in 27. Not Trent McClanahan then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, based on I can't tell if you're joking or not, but I, I hope that's true. <laughs> no that's joke. true. <laughs> yeah, Based he, on your he, debut, he, uh, you're off to a pretty good start. Yeah, hopefully he's listening to this. He, he, he sent me a message, obviously, congratulating me. And, um, yeah, he, he said, what a number, by the way. So I, I've never actually told him that that's my goal. But, yeah, that's my goal. There you go. Love yeah, it. Now. Bring it on, Lewis. Perfect. Love it, love it, love it. Just uh, looking ahead very quickly, of course, uh, big one in the F3 derby tomorrow night against that lot from up the road, mate. Um, are you hoping to get some more game time and how do you think we'll fare? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah, hoping to get some more minutes for sure. Um, and uh, it's got to be a win for the Coasties, right? We we own one, so the boys have uh, had fire in their belly and, and seeking revenge all week, so... Yeah, it's never easy losing to that that lot from down the road that you said that mob. So we are we want to lift the concrete cup for the coasty. So yeah, we're um we're looking good. How's the uh, important trophy of the season? Yeah. That's it. That's it. Don't worry about the plate. Don't worry about the toilet. Seat. It's all the about toilet the, uh, the concrete. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Cordial concrete. It, and how's Monty been in the uh, in the week in the lead up to this one as well? Yeah, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really good. Uh, Monty and Serge, as they always are. Yeah. Um, Really good, prepared really well. Um, you know, we, we feel fresh, we feel ready, and we're raring to go. We've got, yeah, they don't need to, they don't need to motivate us more than what they do. We, um, you know, this is this is the game that the boys look forward to, and yeah, we are on one, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll come out firing, that's for sure. Beautiful. Sasha Kazewski, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the Coast Football Ramble podcast this afternoon. Excellent debut uh, following an excellent debut on Saturday. Uh, go well, mate, and looking forward to seeing you um, continue on throughout the course of the season. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been good fun.
So, of course, over the last week and a half or so, we've seen a pretty rapidly developing situation across the league um, following on from the APL's decision to host the next three grand finals in Sydney. Uh, of course, fan groups across the league have been pretty united in their in their displeasure about it. There have been boycotts and walkouts throughout the league. Uh, of course, we saw the Yellow Army walkout in the 20th minute on Saturday against Sydney, uh, the Cove boycotting the game entirely as well. Um, the landscape is has been constantly changing and constantly evolving. Um, and uh, Jimmy, I know that you've been pretty close to the heart of the discussions around what's happening here. Yeah, that's right, Pete. Um, on Thursday night, uh, before the you know the round of fixtures last weekend, um, Original Style Melbourne, that's uh, Melbourne's active supporter group, created a, uh, a WhatsApp group for as many um, active supporters groups as, as we could get together into into one chat room. Um, and then we sort of laid out, um, you know, what we're doing for that weekend. Um, and then we sort of um, started organising to have a meeting. Fast forward to cool. Saturday night, um, Newcastle have done their, their um, protest and that's um, Wellington's turn. Um, you know, they, they didn't really follow what everyone else was doing, which was uh, to, um, you know, leave the stadium or not, or leave their bay and be quiet. They went to another bay and kept chanting, um, which was explained to us that, um, you know, that they haven't had home football for two years thanks to COVID. Um, and they also went to, what, six to 12 pubs beforehand. Yeah, so, you know, they were a bit too excited. Fair to say they were smashed. Yeah, 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 smished. And there was there's also a, a, a Bucks party on in uh, in their active support, I believe, that weekend too. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So we can forgive them for you know not not completely um, following everyone else, but um, there was our turn, which I think we did quite successfully. Um, uh, you know, we made up a couple of banners um, in between the uh, pissy drizzle rain, which is quite annoying. <laughs> um, APL equalise and. Um, Townsend out, obviously. Um, so we snuck those into the stadium. Um, we held them up from the uh, 20th to the 25th, and at the 20th we all walked out. Um, I just want to say I really um, appreciate the round of applause that we got from um, from the other fans in the stadium. That was that was rather heartwarming to know, you know, that you're that you were behind us. And um, <clears throat> I just want to point out that. Anyone that has any doubts that the players and the club were behind us and our message and our protests. Um, unfortunately, following our game, there was the Melbourne Derby. And um, I don't know if you guys want to chip in on that, but what happened there was an utter disgrace. You know, storming the field was pre-planned from what we can tell. Um, there are chat groups. There's evidence that it, it was discussed beforehand. Um on the fact that, you know, it, it, it was discussed that um, a lot of the people that did storm the field had life bans already. That is correct. But mm. APL actually lifted quite a lot of those bans last year in, in, a, in an attempt to try and get active support going again. Um, I, now that was mentioned, I do remember seeing something about that at the time. So that seems to have backfired a little bit. Um you know, a lot of those bands were unfair in the first place. I remember um, speaking to a Wanderers guy who was banned um, just for standing next to someone that um, threw a flare. 
So I can understand, you know, some of those or a lot of those bands were good, uh, lifted, being lifted were good, but obviously it came with, um, you know, the fact that it, it, it let a few unsavory characters back into the stands where we didn't want them. But on top of that, even if they weren't unbanned, all it does to take to get around that is getting one of your friends to buy a ticket for you. Um, all they do is suspend it's, your it's ticket. It's not hard to get in if you're banned. Yeah. Is the bottom yeah, line. exactly, and and even even all, all the work that both of the Melbourne clubs have also done with Victoria Police to reduce the numbers of the police in the active ends to you know lessen the tension. I guess it was pretty clear that they took advantage of that as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we have the power of hindsight right now to say why didn't they? you know, put more security at the ends. Why didn't they switch the keepers? So, you know, the home, you know, the, the team's keeper was in front of the team's fans. You know, um, as Melbourne Victory came out on Monday morning, I think it was, it might have been Sunday morning, and said that they had only expected the fans to walk out. And now surely that is either mismanagement or, you know, naiveness on their part. Um we're still in a group chat um, following the game. Sydney fans created a new group chat with just, you know, everyone else except for OSM and we're discussing the Melbourne game, you know, it was put forward that why didn't they have a line of police in front of it? And, um, you know, the Melbourne, Melbourne city representative, I think it was said, well, the way that they acted towards the police, I think it would have just incited violence even earlier if they had done that. So, you know, the people that were there, you can't. I know, Luke. You said that, you know that you've retorted to the fact that people said they're not soccer fans or football fans. Fair enough. They 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 might be football fans, but they certainly weren't there for the football. They were there looking for a fight at the end of the day, and to pitch and you know invade the pitch. Yeah, I, I just think the whole messaging around they're not really football fans just deflects from the issue that's there. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was. I think it was uh, pretty clear that they weren't overly interested uh, in the football that night. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So following on from that, um, Sunday night we had, um, I'm going to say, probably two and a half hour, three hour meeting um, with pretty much every active apart from the shed who we couldn't get in contact with at the time. Um, RBB uh, were absent. For some reason, I can't remember why. Um, um, but you know, Wellington, there, Brisbane, Adelaide, Newcastle, Sydney, um, uh, Western United uh, came in later, I think. And um, you know, both the well, Melbourne City were there, so you know, we had a good representation of fans across the board, and we've been chatting all week. Um, so during that two, uh, that three-hour meeting, we come up with a list of uh, demands. We came up with a deadline. We came up with um, what we're going to do moving forward. And um, Yellow Army proposed that following from Saturday, um, that all active support try and um, promote uh, active support in a positive light, in in a unified manner, in a united and, you know, in a, a positive spin on things. So um, we worked together a statement, we worked, um, which we're going to be posting uh, in about 15 minutes' time. A statement's going to go live, so obviously you would have seen that by now. 
Um, we're going to work with the APL as as a as a um, committee. Um, the APL want to talk to us individually, and um, a lot of us see that as a divide and conquer technique. Um, so we want to just you know meet them as one, and you know I think you know two heads are stronger than one, and obviously fifteen is as best as, as you can get. So uh, moving forward on Wednesday night. Um, we have laid down plans for a joint uh, message banner and a joint display with Jets fans. Now, we need to get all the details together, but my idea for it is 10 fans from each active support meet in a bay halfway in between. I think it's Bay 27 we're going to meet, um, say, a flag from each supporters group and then a message banner with the hashtag um, our, our voice, our game. Um, I'm meant to be going spray painting that right now if I can get out there and do it in time. Um, just to show unity and to show everyone that active support is positive and it's not what was seen on Saturday night down in Melbourne. Yeah, 100%. And, um, I mean, who who would have thought that it would have been a combination of uh, of the APL and, uh, and Melbourne Ultras that, uh, that brings a bunch of Yellow Army and, and Terrace Novacastria fans together? Um, definitely wasn't on my bingo card for this year, but, um, you know, that's a, a clear display um, of the unity and the togetherness that football fans can have when they are united together against a, a common cause, um, in which case the, the cause is is kind of twofold, really. Yeah, and I haven't spoken to many people um, about this, so I'd just like to get your thoughts on this, Moz and, and Luke, and just, you know, gauge your perception of this whole thing, if, we, if you know, if you think we're heading down the right track. It's very hard. It was... Um, I thought it was a really well constructed and carried out uh, thing for our fans and done well. And I think most of the fans, as you said, in the stadium understood what was going on and why it was going on and uh, even the importance of it. So I think it was really positive, but it'll be very difficult now to win back some of those fans because of what happened in Melbourne and, and that is unfair, but it is still there. And um, so, but at the same time, uh, I, for me, the fan, the message is still important. And I think that it needs to be carried through. As Jimmy said, what happened in um, Melbourne isn't representative of football fans, regardless of the conversation that we were, that was just there about, you know, whether they're football fans or not. Um, nobody accepts that stuff. So, you know, that, that is outside of the, the, reality that it's still important that the fans have a um, big part in or a better part, some part in the decisions that are being made around us about how a competition works, because yeah, I don't think, if, I mean, it, we might not be saying yes so much about the APL if we knew uh, what back a couple of years ago when this was an idea, what we know now about how it's being carried out. So I think we do need to have a say and yeah, so, so important to continue the message. Yeah. Just before think, you answer think... there, Luke, sorry. Um, no. One thing I forgot to mention, um, <clears throat> there is the harder, well, one of the hardest parts of all this is convincing um, people that aren't inactive that this is actually more than just about the grand final. This is about, you know, the whole management structure of the APL 
And, you know, we're, we're looking to try and change that. You'll see that in the statement that comes out very shortly. Um, it, it's, it's so much more about than the grand final. Um, you know, we've asked them to look at changing, see if you can get out of the contract that we have the state government. But, you know, it's, it's basically five clubs that control the whole league and we just want, you know, the representation spread across more evenly um, to the smaller clubs, I guess. And I think it's important for, for fans, to, for there to be a vehicle for fans to have an actual say. We absolutely are an important stakeholder in, in football in Australia and uh, perhaps, you know, no more important time than now. Um, and so that has to be recognised. I don't think it is and I, I don't think it's cared about. So if the, that, that could be a positive in our future when the suits, so to speak, um, start to recognise uh, how those pieces of the puzzle fit because they are not more passionate about football in Australia than we are. Yeah, I think we're, like you said before, Pete, I think we're definitely at the stage of uh, pushing shit up uh, Carryong Hill as opposed to maybe a slight sort of an incline um, now after I, after the events of um, Saturday. But, yeah, the bigger picture thing here is, is you know, is how the APL structured going forward and how they include fans. Obviously, the grand final issue is still an issue that hopefully – we can have some influence on, um, but my my uh, hope for any change in that whole thing is sort of slowly starting to dwindle day by day. But I think the biggest issue is is that the APL haven't done what they said they would. They 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 said that they would be they would include fans in all sorts of discussions. They would they would include their number one stakeholders not only haven't they done that they haven't included half of the clubs in in the league in a huge decision that impacts not only the fans but also the clubs and the players it's like it's 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 a huge issue and and they actually said that we can they influence had, that moving forward they yeah. actually said yeah, that that's, they that's had the worst thing. you know been in consult with the fans so it's just like lies they don't know what weighs up. There's, there's, there's lie after lie and hole after hole in their story. Um, and, you know, I, I, I even think even if there wasn't that big of a backlash from the fans, which I think you had to see coming from a mile away, if you knew anything about football, um, I still think that the clubs would have probably kicked up a stink about the whole thing because it's, it's, not, it's not a good decision for anyone. And it's concerning that that people who are running our game think not only that that's a good decision, um, but 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 apparently that we wouldn't be frustrated about that decision to the extent that we are. And that miscalc to me is the most damning feature that anyone who didn't recognise how we would feel about that is not very much in touch with how we feel about the game at all, really. But then also further to that, to then just go on and say, oh, they're just being emotional. (laughs) Yes, we are because we care about the game probably more than most of those um, punters. And and thus, yeah, we are emotional when, um, you know, especially when they tell us that we, we, you know, contributed to this decision, which, yeah. it's We don't get a paycheck for all of the hours that we put in. So, of course, we're. I didn't really talk about it because I don't I don't think that 
incident should be linked to active supports um, struggle, if you know mm. what I mean. Um, that was just like a an outside of normal active support. I mean, the, the last experience that we have had personally with Melbourne Victory was their fans putting on a fantastic display when we went down there for a final, or maybe it's not your last experience, but it was mine. So that isn't them, um, and I think it's okay to say that. Mm-hmm. Although I may say that um, Tommy Glover should be suspended, which I know is controversial. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole can of worms. And, you know, I think will he receive a sanction? Yes. I think uh, will it be as bad a sanction as it probably could be to the letter of the law? No, because of the optics around it. Um, you know, it just you, needs to recognise that we do not want goalkeepers doing that or any players doing that. Yeah, you don't that want was the wrong thing to do. It has absolutely nothing to do with the other stuff that happened there, which was ridiculous and criminal. Hmm. No, yeah, yeah. The whole, you know, yeah. Yeah, no, you're spot on. It was, it was absolutely criminal. And, and you see that, you know, there's uh, a bunch of them have already handed themselves into, into Victoria Police and there's going to be way, way, way many more arrests to come on that one as there should be um you know the oh do we think with yeah do we think without the bucket that they would have got away with um an over-the-top um protest no no, because they've still completely cooked the message for the rest of the active support groups um and yeah i know speaking to every single other active supporter that uh, or most other active support groups, rather, not every single active supporter. Um, but yeah, of course, they're fucking livid about this. Um, yeah. And you know, oh, as, entering the pitch straight up, like yeah. And as Jimmy said, you know, there's there's rumours and and you know, messages floating around that it may well have been premeditated and and everything like that. There's been a couple of the Melbourne guys that have come out and denied that it was premeditated, and then you know, there's a, there's a lot coming out and it's just such a as i said at the start a a fluid and rapidly evolving situation there's there's a few moving parts to it now there's quite a few facets to it yes and it you know the osm guys will come out and say that it wasn't premeditated which they already have um in the second statement that they've put out since the game which is a lot of statements statements they do but they keep getting worse and worse they've got the same pr department as what the uh as what the apl has but um you know it, but the mere discussion watched, of it can be the reason people want to get out and do that kind of yeah, thing and they, that there's, was there's a number of messages them. there's a number of that sort of stuff floating around about doing a pitch invasion and they would have seen that in the lead up to the game and then that's just down to leadership yeah the fact it's that they have leadership stamped down on it stamped down on it and um yeah you know, I know it's it's tough self-policing an active support group. It was it was tough, you know, when we had a, a half full or a three-quarter full bay in the Yellow Army, it was tough enough doing that. I can't imagine how tough it is doing it for, you know, when you've got OSM who has so many different factions in them with, you know, Horder and, you know, whatever else, M13 and, and whatever else, other active support groups um, they're calling themselves in there these days. But by the same token, if there's any sort of, glimmer of anything like that happening you've got to stamp it out immediately and it's yeah something and you that... watch the video of um when glover throws the flare back over mm. and there, there's already at least two of them over the Halfway fence over. before yeah. the flare lands back in the bay yeah and yep. like if you if you analyze it 
a, a whole heap of the videos that are around, I think it's pretty clear by the body language of the front sort of one third of the bay. Um, and then what you saw on the field, the dudes in the balaclavas and shit, I think it's, it's pretty clear that uh, that's what was coming. Mm. And then the flare, unfortunately, being thrown back in by Glover was really the catalyst for what set them off. Um, yeah. And, you know, It'll be unpopular, but but not the know, reason. I, I think no, no, a hundred percent. And the the flare has to get there in in the first place. And that's say, it's not like he it's not like he pitch. brought it in. He didn't bring the flare in in his socks, no. did he? You know, like no, that's right. And you know, I I you know, not many people will like this, but I love flares. They're synonymous with football, and mm. I, I I would love a way for them to be included in act in active support here for for whatever reason we think we're too good for them or or we 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 think we have to be different from elsewhere in you know the world that we see it even in countries like the us in the mls they have safe smoke they do all that sort of stuff they make it work and but for whatever reason um we just we just don't really entertain that idea too far because um all we get is well you don't see it at the nrl or the afl why do we have to have it in football and it's those those sorts of people have just got their blinkers on and clearly don't look at anything uh, outside of Australia when it comes to sport. But, um, yeah, don't throw flares. That's the, the number one rule. Of I think, I think that, as you and, have advocated, Luke, there can yeah. be safe pyro, but it will not come if we continue, if we have any incidents. It like won't come one. now. I can tell you that much. It won't come now. <laughs> it's not it won't soon. come for a long time. Like we no. saw, we saw at the Derby last week, um, the Jets fans th- threw one on the pitch. Stupid. Just, it just that raised my eyebrows. So I thought, oh, they, oh, you know, you don't see that too often from them. They do their ritual uh, flare ripping underneath the car park when they do the march. I, I don't, I don't have an issue with that. Some people will. I, I think that's great. But don't throw them on the pitch and do that sort of shit. If you're gonna rip it, rip it and then drop it. Like, mm. <laughs> it's not, it's not rocket science, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, and you know, obviously. You know, no blame goes to Glover for what happened to him. There's, there's no, there's no excuse for that. But he, in, in that moment, especially as a young guy who would be aware of the issues, who, who would understand fan culture, do not throw a flare into a pack of already heated up fifteen to thirty year olds. Just, just not a good idea. Just leave it. He just. In that moment, he just had to be smarter, and for whatever reason, he did what he did. Um, and yeah, it's an I absolute I requirement of being a professional footballer, though, isn't it? That, yeah. that you know yeah. and you understand what those limits are, and that exceeded the limit, as far as I'm concerned. Nothing yeah. to do with and anything and- that happened to him, which was absolutely a separate issue that was completely criminal. Mm. But that, yeah. but and, nevertheless, you know, some people won't talk about it. But you know, the city fans probably threw five to ten players on the pitch and Izzo managed to remove them from the field without lobbying them back uh, into the city, into their active end. So it's 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 And Tommy, very, he had that under control as yeah. well, didn't he? Because he threw one. He already threw one, not 40 metres. Safely, yeah. um, or relatively as safely as a flare at the football can be. Yeah. Went back, back into a safe space, although may have been used to smash him with later. Um, mm. the, the mere presence of the bucket there, um, unfortunately, is is part of what they weaponized. But anyway, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, 
the, the very much a very much a, a, a un, unfortunate series of events that has has made things incredibly more difficult for the rest of us to get our message across. Um, but still, still, I hope won't detract from the main message, and hopefully, people can see that it's a minority, um, and it's it's something that will hopefully be dealt with. Yeah. We are the Christies. It is, of course, that time of the week where we answer your questions. And we've got one or two of them to get through this week, of course. As always, thank you all so much for your submissions across all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the ccmfans.net forum. It's a big welcome back, firstly, to Dave Bloom, uh, who wants to make up for his many weeks of absence with a series of questions. Um, I'm just going to pick... <laughs> I'm going to pick two of the three that he's put here um, <laughs> as we start running out of time. Firstly, is a cereal a type of soup? Yes. It depends how long you leave it in the milk. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, and did cavemen have nightmares about cave women? They were not nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Moz dreams about cave, cave women. Okay. Rightio. <laughs> Confirmed on the Coast Football Ramble podcast. Johnny Needham, <laughs> welcome back, Johnny. Uh, lads, how good was that performance? It got me thinking, though, last week we were obviously all livid at the result against the scum. Do we as football fans too often forget that sometimes teams just have bad days and jump to conclusions due to the emotional connection that we have through our teams? Uh, these past two games were night and day. Also, can we get a shout-out for that fuckwit almost copping some steel on his chin? <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, well, I think we gave Brian Grant his uh, yep. little shout-out. Uh, but, yes, definitely can get overly emotional, according to Danny Townsend. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I for me, it's I think it's a bit frustrating because it, it seems to be that the the inconsistency for us at the moment, you know, we're, we're what, eight games in? Seven? Eight games in? Seven. Um it's just the inconsistency that's a you know that's a bit sort of uh, frustrating you know you go from the Wanderers game to then what was the next game the MacArthur one mm. um, then you go from that which you know wasn't really that good but we did well to get back into it and then we let it slip with the last bloody kick of the game right and then you go from that to uh, to the overall you know performance in the Newcastle game That that's what's frustrating when you have what we had on the weekend which was good so it's it's that's what makes me frustrated and emotional um but yeah it's the consistency because that's that's the sort of stuff that comes back to bite you at the end of the season yeah i think that's true yeah but i mean we do need to establish consistency but it's pretty hard with the world cup break being the way it was you know for us then that has been hard and players coming back from uh, soccer is, you know, exactly how that plays out. It can be fantastic, can be less fantastic. Um, but for me, I, I haven't felt despondent or, or even, you know, that frustrated about um, uh, how we're going because I feel like there's a, there's there's something there underlying us 
um, that is a good entertainment proposition. We've got a good attacking part to us. Um, we seem to be improving in our defensive structure. And, yeah, generally that, I think, will see us in the right spots. Yeah, I think um, in our very natures, you know, we are fickle as football fans. Um, and I think, yeah, that emotional attachment, of course, that's a huge thing, um, a huge factor for that. Um, but I also think that, you know, when we do have a bad day, it's too too easy to be reminded of um, of the really dark days. So, um, but to your point, Moz, 100%, there is and has been something special uh, on the coast the last couple of years. And uh, I think, you know, it, it will only continue. And also having a young team too, right? You know, young players by nature are inconsistent. Yep. Given given what we're about, it's, it's almost inevitable that we're going to be uh, inconsistent. <laughs> well, this, uh, this sort of ties to Aaron Hedges' question. How did the Mariners perform so well as underdogs again, uh, almost every game, but then struggle when they are favourites? Uh, do you think the boys read into that? I don't think they read into it. Um, but it is a good question and one I don't necessarily have an answer for. <laughs> <laughs> no, agree. Is it more? I'm about... sure Monty and Sergio are asking themselves the same thing. Yeah, probably. It might be a bit about, you know, game style and game state and game plan because, yeah, it is, it's, a, it's an excellent question because when we have to possess the ball, are we better or are we worse? It's, yeah, don't know the answer either though. Come on, Pete, tell us the answer. If I had the answers, mate, I'd be in a different job, I think. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> Quite a few comments coming through about uh, Brian Caltax's performance. Cameron Oxley, uh, one absolutely lauding Caltax's performance, saying what a great turnaround. Um, also, uh, Scotty McGee, uh, of course, shout out to Scotty. Um, massive turnaround from last week. I have to eat some humble pie. I thought Caltax was a boss. Do you guys like the Hall and Caltax partnership, or would you prefer Triantis and Hall? Also, two words, Dan Hall. Mm. Um I prefer Trantis and Hall. Uh, I think I think the big the big question when it comes to visas for me is that you you really have to ask yourself: Are they better than what we currently have? And if I look across our visas, you know, I I would say obviously Tulio is you know probably a better option um, than what we have, and so that way he gets to start. You know, come dog. He gets to start, Benny. Um, he gets to start, even though he's he's a bit inconsistent at the moment. But if I look at you know Kalechi and Kaltak, are they better than what we have you know in the midfield, which you know Kalechi could potentially fit into, um, or in the back line, are they better? I don't necessarily think they are. So for me, it's for me it's a Triantis and Hall partnership in the back line. Um, all. I was pretty surprised when Chantis was on the bench, but all signs point towards it was because of the knock he picked up last week, um, which is why he didn't play a full game and only came on uh, more towards the end, apparently. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's Hall and Chantis. That's that's my pick. I tend to agree. I think they're the, the pair. Um, but 
I do like the versatility of being able to have Caltac and bring on Triannis at the back of the midfield there because I just think he gives us something a bit different than our normal workhorses who we have in there. Um, he knows how to pick a pass and make a couple of good moves. I quite like the three that that can make also with the back pair. So, yeah. And he was very good when he come on in that midfield too. Like we, we just we just needed a bit of shoring up, you know, in that last sort of 15 or 10 minutes. And Triantis was very good. So that, He's that so does. Versatile. He's going to be. He is. He is. He's, He's a the next and that, that, by the looks of him. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it does, you know, sort of create another conversation around, well, you know, can we go with, you know, potentially three in the midfield or, or do you swap out a Nizza or a Ballard for a chance? I don't know. And then obviously you need someone in the back line. But from what I've seen at the moment, I think Triantis belongs uh, at centre-back with Hall. Did we play some time with three of three central defenders in this game? Yeah. And, and, you know, our two wide men in that five kind of formation. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah we did that's towards what the it end. Like. Yeah. And, and I, I think I love that kind of versatility that it gives us to have those good guys. But you're right, Luke, that um, seems maybe at least to be out of Kalechi and Caltech. Yeah. yeah I, I think, yeah, with this. With this whole visa thing, it's going to be either Kletch or Caltech that uh, will be gone in about a month. When yeah, well, that ties into uh, a man's view 92 on Twitter who asks, are you concerned about not having space for Caltech once Moresh is back? Well, I guess the end of that conversation is probably no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think, you know, I think there's a good footballer in there. I know, I know some people don't agree, but, um, and, you know, I guess the risk around that is is that uh, has he shown enough at the moment to go and get a gig with another club? He very well, you know, could end up in Newcastle colours or Sydney colours or Wanderers colours. And then is it a case of, you know, do we let one slip away then we don't have the cover? I'm not sure. But um, at this stage, not concerned. No, that is a straight up Maresh first for me. Yeah, mm. 100%. Also ties in with something that uh, Eddie on Twitter asks, uh, who would you replace with Maresh potentially returning in the new season? Uh, would you start Maresh? Does he come off the bench? Who makes way for him? Definitely off the bench to start with. Um, I think we'll probably see Maresh, you know, try to do the Kowal role. That's, are very hard two words to say back to back, but um, yeah, when Kual goes, I think Maresh will be that impact sort of a sub for a while once he's as he starts to build his uh, confidence back up. Um, and all reports are that he's going very well, um, so I, I think he'll he'll be he'll be able to come back and make some sort of an impact relatively quickly, hopefully. Yeah, and definitely off the bench. I think we played him up top a little bit. And um, so I don't know if I see it as being, you know, whose specific role there because we've had this real fluid front four thing going on. And so now the front four there would be, you know, Maresh, Tulio, um, and Cummings and Benny. I love that versatility. Left footers, right footers, uh, at least a couple of them can play up top. Great wingers. Yeah, loving the sound of that. 
Uh, P Jennings on the ccmfans.net forum uh, wants to know if we have any injury updates on Moresh and Kalechi. Uh, we did just touch on Moresh, of course. He's looking good for a New Year's return. Um, Kalechi, not too sure. I haven't um, heard anything about it since the uh, the World Cup break there. So uh, whether he's out of favour or, or, or whether um, you know there's, there's been another injury that's come back to bite him there, yeah, I'll try and suss that out. Um, as well as Brad Tapp and Aiden Hammond from the academy side, I had a really good chat with um, Brad Tapp post-game on uh, on Saturday, actually, who was absolutely buzzing after the result. Um, he is... Uh, so he had an ACL uh, injury, unfortunately, a knee reconstruction a couple of months ago, um, but he is tracking well ahead of schedule. Um, so normally you rehab from that, you're looking at around sort of nine months. Um, the surgeons are thinking that it could well be closer to sort of seven, seven and a half months before he makes his return. So he's already back to running and squatting, um, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, looking forward to seeing more of him is another really good young prospect with a fantastic head on his shoulders coming out from the academy side there. Um, Aiden Hammond has been registered for the academy side this season too. So uh, I believe that he traveled over to Japan for the recent academy tour over there. And um, by all accounts, he's doing really well. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. And can I just say, we, we are absolute morons, but we do get some picks right for the academy, <laughs> right? Like we've, we've, we were calling for Niz. Yep. We were calling for Miller. Yep. You know, we were call, we've been calling for Sash. Dan Hall. And it's Hall and it's it's all come to fruition. Obviously. Mm. I think I I think probably the only one that we didn't really pick was probably Jacob Farrell. And I, I don't think anyone would have seen that coming unless you were inside the setup. I thought I thought he had <laughs> but we knew he to was, make it. Yeah, I knew yeah, I knew we he knew had, he was decent and he was yeah. just a bit younger than some of the others. So we yeah. hadn't really seen yeah. much of him. He looked like a bloody beanstalk and then all of a sudden he's in the A-League. It was... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think um, Tappy's definitely one who's on that list yeah, for me definitely. as well. Yeah. Um, as is uh, Josh Hong, who has come along leaps and bounds over the last Oh, few you've come years around well. to my man, have you? I was never against Hongi. I've always liked Hongi. Oh, okay. I'll have to go back to the group chat. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I think you are confusing me with someone else, my friend. Um, okay, maybe it's Moss. Yeah. I I want it, no, I'll it isn't me because... It isn't me because... Yeah. I want him in my, I want him to play as well because he's in my um, fantasy team. Let's blame it on Hal. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's all <laughs> Hal's fault. Um, Maxim Kasalovich is another one who looks really good there too. So uh, the academy just keeps churning him out. Right? It's uh, absolutely great to see. And that season all kicks off again first weekend of February uh, for those who are interested back down at Plume Park. And ads on the ccmfans.net forum. With Sash being the latest of our local boy breakthroughs, what do we think our total is up to with Simon, Matt Hatch, Farrell, etc.? I took the liberty of having a quick look at this question uh, just a moment ago. Actually, um, I've got a, I've got an eleven um, so far. I've got Simon, Hatch, Faz, uh, Kuzevsky, Bazanic, McAndrew. Jamie McMaster, I want to count in there, <laughs> even nice. though he went overseas, came back. Uh, Brady Smith, Trent Bahaja, Andrew Redmayne, and Lockie Wales. Put him in whatever formation you want. I don't care. How far back are we going? Do we go back to like a Damian Brown? 
I think well, that goes yeah. on way back. McAndrew goes Andrew back Clark. to the Jamie and Brown era. Oh, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, Brownie and Clarkie as well, of course. Um, yeah. Local products there. So, um, yeah, you can build a pretty decent side there. I know so you've got subs now off. because McAndrew, um, uh, uh, definitely a Mariner, but stretching the uh, – so how many minutes was it that he actually played, McAndrew? Oh, I think it was about 80 seconds. Oh, was it how many seconds? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'd claim still, it. I'd claim still. it forever. Hey, true, true. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. 100%. It's 80 seconds more than me. Yeah, absolutely. I, exactly. I got told I was the uh, the 19th man uh, for a Wellington away trip one season. So um, they had, um, you know, five on the bench, so 16 in the squad. Um, they had one um, backup player in case someone went down in the warm-up. And then Monty was the second backup player just in case someone else went down in the warm-up. So in case three players went down, I had my boots at the ready, baby. I was ready to go. Oh, yes. Find me an oversized jersey to... and, uh, yeah, we're good to go, baby. I wanted to see a flying prior to. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it probably would have been better than the performance we put on that day because I think we went 1-0 up and ended up losing 4-1. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was a very somber flight home. You're listening to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. Wow! Are you kidding me? That is... Pretty much all we have time for this afternoon on the Coast Football Ramble podcast. It has been an absolute rambling once again. Um, fellas, no one I'd rather ramble with than, uh, than you guys, of course. Um, can't wait to get back to Industry Group Stadium tomorrow night. Yep, we need to uh, get one back over them and go full steam ahead for the concrete trophy. Exactly. Oh. Get back on track for the concrete. The concrete's coming yeah. home, baby. It's coming home. <laughs> We've had it, we've made it work cut out for us, but we'll get there. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt that the boys can get this one done. Really quickly, score predictions, Luke. 2 nil us. Yeah, I'm talking out of my mouth. 2 nil us. I think 2 nil us. That's it. We've got to wrap this one up, ladies and gentlemen. It's been an absolute pleasure. Until next time, it is. Love you, see you, bye. I was singing it to Harper this morning, actually. Who's in the wiggle house? Who's in the wiggle house? Oh, I didn't do that one. Who's in the wiggle house today?